Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love for us and we thank you for the wonderful expression of your love to us by speaking through your word. Lord, we pray that you may help us to understand what you have said, particularly through the words of Jesus himself as he spoke this sermon on the mount so many years ago. Lord, we come to a section of the word that is speaking about a part of our lives that is very sensitive about our money. Lord, we pray that you may help us to understand what he says and that if we need to readjust our values in life, that we have been allowing money to take a primary importance over the Lord Jesus. Lord, convict us of this error of ours and help us to have Jesus as our master and our master alone. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's important that we have our eyes properly focused, isn't it? I'm not someone who struggled with my eyesight. I was one of these kids who always liked it when the primary school nurse would say, you've got to come and have your eyes tested and they'd have the, the alphabet well not the alphabet, they mix it up so that you can't uh, guess the, the letters and I would sit there and I'd, this is a test that I can get 100% in and I'd sit there and I'd, I'd watch and, and then when I did it for the RTA you know, I was very proud of myself that my eyes are properly focused so I don't have that struggle that some people have where their eyes are out of focus and they need glasses I don't understand what it's like uh, that much the only time I've had my eyes out of focus is when I try my mother's glasses on as a small kid and put them on and look around and everything gets very blurry and it's very difficult to walk and it's very difficult to to read um, as clearly as when the glasses are off it's important that our eyes are focused and that they're focused correctly And Jesus takes this common understanding that we need our eyes focused properly and uses it as an illustration to make a point about money. And that's what we're looking at this morning. We looked at last week about money and he had an illustration of treasures in heaven and that was from Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 to 21. And now this week we look at two further illustrations that he makes about money and that is in verses 22 and 23 is one illustration and that's about our eyes and then we'll look at in verse 24 with another illustration about masters. So we've got two illustrations that we're going to look at initially and then we're going to, as my third main point, look at how we can keep God as our focus and rather than money. So the first point is, what does Jesus mean that the eye is the lamp of the body? What does it mean when Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body in verse 22? Matthew Matthew chapter 6 verse 22 says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So what does Jesus mean by the eye is the lamp of the body? Well, it's a bit tricky to understand this. Uh, Most of the commentators, they tend to go in different directions. He's very cryptic here really and so there's different understandings that are taken as to what this means, what Jesus is getting at. Well, to try and understand it, we'll We'll try and understand what he says initially and take it at face value. So he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. 
So our eyes function as a way of seeing where we're going. So they function as a lamp. If the lamp isn't there, as I sometimes stumble around at night, uh, if I haven't got a lamp there and I haven't got the light, then I will stumble. And so the eye is the lamp by which we see where we're going. And that directs then our inner self. It directs our body and ourselves as such. So there's basically two lights that Jesus mentions. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So our eyes are one light. And then there's an inner light, which it says in verse 22, if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. So you can have a light within you. And then it speaks of that in verse 22 as well, but if your eyes are bad your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So we've got two lights, one is our eyes, which directs our inner light. If the, the, outer, if the eye light isn't working properly, then our inner light, ourselves, is going to be going off the track as well. And so then it's very important that our eyes are good, that they're functioning well Otherwise, we will get into trouble. Now, what is the function that our eyes do that we're trying to make sure that they are good? Well, uh, the word good there, it's, it's tricky to translate and different translations have different translations of it. The King James Version is probably the better one in this instance. It actually has uh, your eyes are single. And so what it's saying is that your eyes should be focused on one object. And so if we focus on two things and try to walk, we will end up in all kinds of trouble. We need to focus our eyes on one thing and walk towards that, otherwise we get into trouble. And so what Jesus is saying here is that if we don't focus our eyes upon him, upon God, then we will get ourselves into all kinds of trouble. We will stumble in our spiritual lives, in our lives themselves, if we don't focus our eyes upon God, if our eyes aren't singly on God, if they aren't focused on him alone. Just as if if I'm walking around and I look in another direction, while I walk I will stumble. If I look to the side of a page when I read, I misunderstand what is being said. I can't focus clearly on the words. And so it is, if we don't focus our lives towards Jesus and towards God, we will end up stumbling. We will end up getting ourselves into trouble. Because as we walk towards something else instead of God, we get ourselves deeper and deeper into trouble. The more you walk away from God, the more trouble you get yourself into because you're going in the wrong direction. You're going away from God. And so you heap up wrath for yourself. It's better, in one sense, and often in the Bible they speak about this, it's better that you were never born than to focus your eyes upon the wrong thing and move yourself away from God constantly because you're getting yourself into more and more trouble all the time. And it would be the way if we were to focus our eyes on something else and walk around, we would get ourselves away further and further from that object we're supposed to be walking towards. And Jesus says 
that this is the worst kind of situation to be in, where you focus your eyes upon something that is other than God because it ends up that your inner light, yourself, is in all kinds of trouble and he sums it up for us in verse 23. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. If you continue focusing your eye on something other than God, you end up with greater and greater and greater darkness. And what, what is the focus that often takes us away from God? Well, the context tells us that it's money and materialism that is often the focus of people's lives. The verses 20, 22 and 23 don't mention the word money, but we've got the previous text talking about money and the next paragraph talking about money and so it's reasonable to assume that Jesus here is speaking about money as well. Some commentators don't agree but I think the context tells us that Jesus is speaking about money. That often money will blind people to God and it will lead them into further and further trouble. And that makes sense. Money tells us to sin. If we focus our lives on money and material possessions that we can get, we will think that we can do anything to get those things. If our main outcome is having more money, then everything to get money will be right. And so we can stomp on whoever is in our way if it means we will get more money. We can take advantage of whoever is in our way if it means we will get more money. We can break any laws that are there given to us by the land if it will get us more money and we can get away with it. If we can find a way around the tax man and hide our records or some way of getting it, then it's okay because our God is money and he says it's right if you just get more of me. Money blinds us and it continues to take our focus away from God. But in the end, we've got to remember what Jesus says here, that focusing our lives upon money and material possessions leads us into very great darkness. It leads us away from God further and further and makes us heap up more and more wrath from God against ourselves. And so if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, do you realise what you are doing by focusing your life upon something other than God? Focusing your life on something like money? Every day that you fix your eye on something else, you are walking further and further away from God. And it means that more and more pain is going to be there for you in hell. You need to repent today of your sins. You need to change your priorities. You need to change the focus in your life so that you are focused upon what Jesus wants rather than what money wants you to do. You need to put your priorities back in line with what God wants rather than what money wants. Because if you don't, hell will get hotter and hotter and hotter for you as you move further and further away from God and towards money instead. Now, if you didn't understand that illustration, which is one of the trickiest in all the Bible, I believe, to try and get, and particularly from Jesus' teaching, if you didn't understand that, then Jesus gives us another one that's a bit simpler for us to understand, right after it, that's making pretty much the same point. And so that's my second main point, is 
what does Jesus mean that no one can serve two masters? And we see that in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now what is Jesus meaning by no one can serve two masters? Is he teaching workplace management strategies? Is he teaching business solutions and models? Well, he's assuming that you're aware of business models to some extent and it's not only in recent years that we've had bosses and masters and businesses. It's been going on for a very long time and it was there in Jesus' days. He's assuming that you know what it is to have a boss and that you can't have two at the same time. Now some of you may say, oh yes I can. I've got two bosses at work and they both tell me what to do and I function there at work. I've got two bosses. And some of you may say, I even have two jobs. I have a job through the week with one boss and then I have a job on the weekend with another boss. I can have two bosses. Jesus is wrong. I can serve two masters. Well, that's only true while the masters are in agreement. If you've got two bosses at work and one wants you to use the precise moment in time that you're speaking about for one purpose and the other boss says, no, I want you to do something else, which happens from time to time. I remember working at Target and, uh, and while I was going through university and I'd have the head of the store tell me one thing and then I'd have my own area manager tell me another thing that I should be doing and I've got to choose. Who's my boss? Who's the one that I'm going to follow? And so it is with Jesus and talking about God and money. We either serve one or we serve the other when they contradict one another. If they command the same thing, then it's easy. If they command different things, then you've got to choose one. You either have to hate one and love the other, as it says in verse 24, or be devoted to one and despise the other. The word hate there sounds pretty strong and you may think, oh, I don't hate the boss, I just choose to do what this boss says instead. And so it can be, the word hate can be used as a sort of a word for preference, but it does show that you love one more if you're going to do what that boss says and ignore what the other boss says. And so we have to choose with God. There is no fence sitting when it comes to choosing between God as your boss or money as your boss. You cannot have both. If you come to a decision to make about whether you are to give your money away to the work of the church or you're going to keep your money, well, if your money is your God, is your main boss, you will keep the money. If you have God as your boss, well then you'll probably be ready to give your money away. And so we cannot have both. One will always win out when we try to decide because they both conflict with one another. So Jesus, by these two illustrations of our eyes focusing properly and our masters having the right master, is trying to encourage us to keep our eyes upon God, to keep God as our master. And we as Christians always need to be reminded of this, particularly when it comes to money. Money is always going to be attractive to us. It's always something that is popular in our minds. Why? 
Well, it seems to provide security. It seems that we're going to be okay for at least the next couple of weeks if we've got enough in the bank and if we've got a lot in the bank, maybe we think we're okay for a couple of years and if we've got lots and lots of money, we think I'll retire today and, uh, and I will spend the rest of my life just living at leisure because I have this immense security. I have this huge amount of money in the bank. And it also gives personal worth to some extent. We think that it, it makes us worthy, that we are valuable to others. And you see that by the way that the world looks at people who have lots of money. The, uh, the magazines, the gossip mags, they don't gossip about me. They don't gossip about you. They gossip about people with lots of money. They're the people worthy of focusing our attention upon because they're famous and they have lots of money. And so they become popular and of great personal worth. Money is also attractive because it brings power. Doors open magically if you have lots of money. You can get things that other people can't get. You can make people do things for you that other people can't make them do. Money appears to give great power and it also appears to give great pleasure, particularly by what it buys, the materialism that we have. We, if we have lots of money, we can have those lovely possessions that will give us the pleasure that we so earnestly desire. But we have to remember that all those things, security, personal worth, power, pleasure, that you can get from money, is only temporary at best. It's only valid in this world. You can only be secure in this world with money. You can only have personal worth through money in this world. You can only have people gossiping about you in the gossip mags in this world. You can only have power through money in this world. And you can only have pleasure through money in this world. In the next world, money counts for nothing. It won't be giving you security anymore. It won't be giving you power. It won't be giving you personal worth. It won't be giving you pleasure at all in contrast, it will actually be giving you pain. If you have served money all your life, have been concentrating on materialism and enjoyment and pleasure in this life rather than God, it will give you severe pain, an eternity of suffering in hell. It leads to great darkness, money. And even in this life, at its best, it's not going to make you truly happy. Why do the gossip mags have stuff to gossip about? It's because those celebrities are always getting themselves into some sort of trouble. They've got all this money, but they still seem to get divorced. They still, still seem to be addicted to drugs and going into rehabilitation centres all the time. They're always in some sort of pain when they're in those gossip mags. They still struggle with their weight, as the, um, as the magazines love to show. I, never, I, I would love to see gossip magazine editors in a magazine with photos of their, them at the beach and see what um, people would be saying about them. I mean, you just wonder, who, what is the weight of the person behind the, photogra- uh, the, the camera taking the photograph before they can say, look at this celebrity and how they're struggling with their weight? Money can't buy us happiness and study shows again and again that it's going to bring you pain, not only in this life, but in the next life. 
So then my third main point is, if you agree with Jesus' illustrations that we need to keep God as our focus with our eyes, that we must keep God as our master, how do you keep God as your focus and your master? What are some tips on keeping God as the focus rather than money? Well, avoid extremes. It's obvious that you aren't supposed to have God as your uh, you aren't supposed to have money as your God to continually focus on him and uh, on, on money and serve that. But the other extreme is to give away everything you possibly own and become a monk. That was a classic thing in the, um, in the medieval period. You would just give a, you were convicted of your sin and of texts like this and you go, I'll give away everything and go and live in a monastery. We are not supposed to view wealth essentially as a bad thing if it's not the focus of our lives. There are very many wealthy Christians and you see them in the Bible. Abraham had so much uh, flocks and herds around him, he had so many sheep and cattle that he couldn't live near his relatives. He just had too many possessions, too much wealth around him and he was a godly man. He's not condemned for having so much wealth. God does give us wealth. He can give us possessions. The the problem is, is when they become the focus of your life, when they become the master, God can still give you wealth and you can still be a wealthy Christian. It's difficult, but you can still be a wealthy Christian. So you don't need to give everything away. But you do need to be generous with what you have. That's my second tip. Be generous. Another translation of that word for good in verse 22, which I said is tricky to translate and we took the King James translation of single, that's meant to be singly focused, is generous. And I think there's a deliberate word play that's going on there in the Greek. Some people prefer to translate it as generous, some people prefer to translate it as good to try and capture the the both elements there. But I think that it is um, a word play there and it can mean both, that we're meant to be focused and we're meant to be generous. So how do we be generous? How do we be generous? Well, who should we we be generous towards? There's three ways that money is used in scripture that is said to be an appropriate use of money. First is to appropriately care for one's family so that they will not be a burden to those around you. And that's one of the reasons you don't become a monk and clear off and then become a burden to other people. You are meant to care for those people who are under your care. You're meant to keep your money and make sure that they have enough and be generous towards them. So be generous towards your family. Also be generous to those who are in need. The Bible speaks regularly about giving to the poor, to those people who have no money, and don't know where their next meal is coming from and aren't able to shelter themselves, they aren't able to clothe themselves. Give to the poor. Be generous to those who are in desperate need. And thirdly, a good use of money that is there in scripture is to encourage and support the work of the Lord in spreading the gospel. So that is where you contribute to the work of missionaries. As uh, Danny mentioned earlier about Bible League, uh, that we are seeing the fruits of the money that we have sent there and so that is being generous towards the spread of the gospel and also to missionaries and to uh, churches like ourselves you come week after week and you give your money so that I can stand up here at the front 
and share the good news of Jesus Christ with those who have not heard and continue to encourage you to allow the gospel to be the dominant force in your life, to be that life-changing act of God that it is. And so you should give your money to the work of God's kingdom. Be generous to the work of sharing the gospel with others. And then thirdly, third tip, be careful what you look at. Jesus has this illustration of making sure our eyes are focused and you can take this to me and to give many examples of what we should be doing. Uh, But one of the things that we can learn from this is what we focus our eyes upon regularly through the day can affect us. If you are regularly looking at money and how much you have in the bank, you're constantly focusing upon it, it will affect you. It will make your master get closer and closer to being money instead of God if you're regularly counting how much you have. If you're regularly at the mall looking at all the material possessions that are there that you want to buy, it will affect you. It will start to be the dominant force in your mind. If you're regularly looking at catalogues, getting lots and lots of catalogues and looking through at all the things that you can buy and all the possessions that you can own, it will affect you. If you're regularly looking at costly homes and thinking, I would like that. I want a big mansion with lovely lawns. If you're regularly looking at such things on the television set, it will affect you and it will push money up a little bit further, a little bit further into being there equal with God and maybe above God. And even with things like holiday locations, thinking about those pleasures that we can have overseas if we spend our money. If we have lots of money, then I'll be able to go here, I'll be able to go there, I'll be able to do that. If you're regularly looking at holiday destinations and constantly thinking about it, it will affect you. Be careful what you look at. Set your eyes upon God. Look at his word. Make sure you're looking at him, reading his word, understanding him, thinking about his people and looking at his people as we gather week by week. And we're a display of God's glory when we gather here week by week. And a great encouragement to us to have God as our master, as the focus of our eyes. Who is your eye focused on? Is it God or is it money? If it is focused on money, if your eyes are turned towards money, remember that it will lead you into further and further trouble, into greater and greater darkness, into greater and greater wrath from God. Money never buys happiness. Remember that. Who is your master? Are you trying to have two masters? You have God and money as your master? If you do, money will always win. You will prefer money. You will love money more and hate God in return. You've got to be very careful. Are you generous with your money? to try and avoid the temptation of having money as your master, as having money as the focus of your life? Are you careful with what you look at? Do you make sure that your eyes are trained upon the things of God rather than upon those worldly pleasures that are constantly around us and crying out for our attention? 
Do you regularly set your eyes upon Jesus rather than the things of this world? Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many pleasures that you do give us in this life, those many things that money do buy us which we can enjoy. But Lord, the temptation is always there to allow them to become the dominant force in our life, to become the ruler over us, to allow our eyes to be set more upon them than upon you. Lord, we pray that you may always be the focus of our lives, that you may be our master, that we may love you and hate money, that we may hold fast to you and despise money. Lord, may you be the centre of our lives and may we be able to encourage others to do so as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.